Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. It's been a while, actually, since we dug into a good mystery novel. So we thought, what better way to dive back in than to read and discuss a mystery series about a mystery writer and her mystery bookshop. So we're going all in mystery in this episode. So here with us to discuss Bookmarked for Murder, the latest in her mystery bookshop series, is VM Burns. Welcome to the podcast, Valerie. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. We're excited to have you. It's been too long since we discussed Cozy Mysteries on the show, so we're super excited to have an author back, especially an author of such a wonderful series as the Mystery Bookshop Mystery Series. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm excited. So before we dive into the book, we're going to check in with what's making us feel cozy during our quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Valerie, kick us off. What's making you feel cozy right now? You know, being home has been a challenge and I am just happy to have my dogs. So I have three poodles and also my books. I am right now sitting in my um, office looking at my bookshelves full of cozy mysteries and nothing makes me feel cozier than to pull out one of my books, my favorite authors and read those and, and, you know, maybe sit down with a cup of tea and snuggle up with my poodles. Can't go wrong with dogs and books. No, it's a great combination. Absolutely. Also, especially because there's so much screen time now with remote meetings and I'm a teacher, so we're all doing distance learning and I'm on Zoom all day, which, you know, coincidentally saved our show today because now we're on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Zooming all over the place. Yay. Made sure that we could record today. So I guess thanks, Zoom. But it is nice to get off screens and just go analog and read a book like on an actual page. It's so nice. It is. And actually, the being quarantined is what helped me to understand. When you asked, did have I used Zoom? I really hadn't until this whole shelter in place. And my sister's been using it to stay connected with the family. So on Sundays, we'll have a Zoom family meeting with my niece and nephew and their kids and my sisters, and my dad. So it's a way for us to stay connected as well. Yeah, we had a virtual Easter this past Sunday on, on Zoom. And it it's kind of funny to see everyone trying to figure out Zoom in one place and all these little faces pop up on the screen. So that, that was that was cute. <laughs> I find that everyone's just watching themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like, we are here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Well, I like how Zoom gives you the opportunity to see what you look like before you join. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very important step. Very important. But yeah, I, I do wonder, though, like I've been on Zoom so much that I think it's going to become a four letter word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it already is. But after this is all over. Like, because we were on it so much, I think we might need a break. But actually, on the topic of Zoom and calling in with friends and video chatting, what's making me feel cozy right now during this quarantine is a game you can play with your friends while you're on a video chat service like Zoom. And I, I think a lot of people have been doing this before I did, but I just did it last night for the first time and I had a lot of fun with my friends. And it's uh, Quiplash by Jackbox Games. And how it works is essentially... So you're on your your video call or whatever, and one of your friends has to own the game, and they make a room number, and you go onto the website with your phone, you put in the room code, and you just type in your um, answers to these prompts, 
and your answers with your friends face off. So a question might be something like, uh, or a prompt rather, might be something like, invent a new Christmas tradition, and two different answers come up from your friends, and, the, and your friends vote on who had the cleverest answer. And it gets dirty pretty fast, or depending on uh, who, who you're playing with. I can't share my Christmas tradition that I invented because it's not appropriate for a cozy podcast like this one. But The faint of heart. But it's really fun, and I do recommend checking it out, Quiplash, or any of those other kind of uh, party games on Jackbox games. Well, how do you download it? You just go to the website. So oh, it's like, yeah, just Google Jackbox games. Jackbox is one word. Look it up and they have sales right now and try it out with your friends. Hmm. That sounds fun. It's kind of, well, it bleeds into what's making me feel cozy this week, which is words with friends. I know had had a popularity surge like four years ago. So I know I'm late to the party, but I like to get lost in, in things. So I'll have my interests. So I'll get really into something and that makes me feel cozy. So right now it's words with friends, but in my case, perhaps it should be called words with no one. Cause I, I <laughs> feel like none of my friends are on there or no one's playing with me or I invite people. I think you stopped playing words with friends maybe seven years ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm very late to the game. Maybe not four years ago, probably 10 years ago. And um, I'm actually playing with one of my friends right now. So I'm only playing with one friend. She actually appeared on the podcast. But it's for those who don't know, it's just essentially Scrabble on your phone. But I, the only thing I don't like about it, though, is that all these words, like two-letter words, give you a lot of points. And so I'm always trying to find actual words. But there's these long list of words like jaw or ib or foo. And I, I haven't won one game yet. But I, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep on going and, and see. Hopefully, I'll, maybe I'll win one game by the end of all this. <laughs> we believe in you, Julianne. <laughs> keep hope alive. <laughs> there have to be listeners who play Words with Friends. So if you're out there in the ether, please be Julianne's friend on Words with Friends so she can play with real people. Yeah, you know, it, it hurts getting rejected by Brenda S. <laughs> so, like all these like, long <laughs> lists of people who <laughs> will not play with me. Because I, I thought that Words with Friends is when you just play with strangers and you make online friends. So I was inviting everyone to play, but well, perhaps... Well, it's not, it's not Words with Strangers, Julianne. <laughs> <laughs> I make new friends. I thought I was like, oh, well, you know, we'll become online friends, but maybe they think I'm some weirdo <laughs> requesting everyone. Um, but it's cozy when I play at the robot. So. <laughs> Games are definitely having a huge resurgence right now because we're all desperate for some, some stuff to do that's fun and distracting. And that's, that's, a, that's a great pick. Yeah, I saw a few articles, actually, that Words with Friends specifically is having a renaissance. It got a bunch of downloads these past few weeks. So definitely spot on. I don't know. I, I was actually even thinking we could do a like an all things cozy game night with like Quiplash or one of those um, other Jackbox games. So stay tuned. I might try to figure that out. Oh, that'd be so much fun. That's a good idea. Definitely a good quarantine opportunity. So let's dive in to Bookmarked for Murder. So we're really excited to chat with you about your book and your writing, Valerie. But before we do, I want to do a quick synopsis of this entry in the Mystery Bookshop Mystery Series. In Bookmarked for Murder, our hero, Samantha Washington, is on a shopping trip with her Nana Joe and friends from Shady Acres Retirement Village and in Chicago. So they're on a shopping trip in Chicago, which, first, just to kind of an aside, I'm from Chicago, so it was so nice to go home virtually via this book. It was very, I needed it, so thank you. <laughs> Glad to help. While they're in Chicago, one of those friends, Irma, 
who um, has a lot of gentlemen callers, let's say, and is bringing one of her new friends, Max Franck, back with her on the bus to continue the fun. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, uh, Max doesn't make it to North Harbor, Michigan, where they live, because when everyone comes back from a rest stop, he's found dead in his seat. Knowing that this is a small space, right? They're on a bus. So knowing that the murderer had to be part of their cozy retirement community, Sam steps up to help Nana Jo and her friends root out the murderer in their midst. I wanted to start by talking about um, your protagonist, which is, I just think, to me, sometimes the most interesting part about Cozy's, and, and a really important part of, of any book series, really, is that hero. Because we're, we're with them all, the whole time, and they really do become the eyes through which we see everything. The star of your series, Samantha Washington, she, she not only owns a mystery bookshop, which is super cozy, but she's writing a, a British historical mystery of her own. So my question for you, Valerie, is, how did you decide you wanted your protagonist to be so steeped in the world of mystery writing herself? So I share a whole lot of things with Samantha Washington. Samantha Washington um, dreamed of one day owning her own mystery bookshop because that's my dream too. I mean, to be surrounded with mysteries and when you finish one book, you don't have to wait. You can just go to your shelf and pull down another one has been a dream for a long time. Oh yeah, definitely. And also the fact that at a mystery bookshop, a shop that specializes with mysteries, you don't have to wait for them to order. Or you don't have to worry about a series that may not be the the latest and greatest, not having your books because all they have are mysteries. So that's one of the dreams that I share with my protagonist. And then I also shared the dream of being a writer. So I wanted to write British Historic Cozies. And so that's why she writes British Historic Cozies. And I used to live in North Harbor, Michigan, which is, it's a fictional city based on a real city. And it's located about, oh, 90 miles from Chicago. And one of the things that is common to do is take a bus trip especially around the holidays, to Chicago because you don't have to worry about the traffic. There's always construction on Chicago um, interstate. You don't have to worry about any of that. And you can just pay $25 or $30 and get on the bus and go to Chicago. They drop you off at a mall. You shop all day. And then you come home. So it's um, a lot of me. I guess, in, in Samantha Washington and in the series. That, I think, is, is probably why she has so much of cozy mysteries around her. The British historic mysteries, the mystery bookshop, living in you know, a small town in, in southwest Michigan, all of that is because that's you know, my dreams as well and my history. Just to jump in for a second, you mentioned the bus trip. One of the reasons why your book was so cozy to me was the fact that it involved a a, a tour group of older women going uh, to the city for a shopping trip or just, yeah, a jaunt. And so my mom used to have a tour company that involved taking seniors to various places, whether, and I'm from Long Island, so they take them to the Manhattan, see Broadway shows or you know, museums, what, what not. And so um, I thought you would appreciate this little story since all of the members of your retirement community in your book have a lot of spunk. 
Um, <laughs> so <laughs> one of the funny stories I talked her, I texted her this morning. So I remembered it. They went to a winery and one of the ladies had stole stolen a Ventures oh a medal because they oh thought it had val they thought it had value. <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely one of the little hijinks. And so my mom was pleading on on the bus, it's his own little mystery, to for the person to return it, explaining it had no value, that it just meant a lot to the winery, and no one <laughs> would say who it was. But two weeks later in the mail, she got the Ventures medal wrapped in pink curler tape. <laughs> and uh, it's actually one of the older ladies had pulled her aside and said that she suspected a woman named Edna had stolen the Ventures medal because she had not returned her casserole dish. <laughs> so it's funny thinking about all those little stories. And there's so much fodder and fun with your um, characters. Because there's, in a retirement community, there's just... It's, it's ripe with fun little anecdotes like that. And that's something I really appreciate about your book. That's a little aside, but. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> that's amazing. That's yeah, I, I love I the, the idea of that bus trip because I just imagined them on the Magnificent Mile. And that in itself was just, it's, it's such a, a, a fun place to be. It can be stressful, <laughs> but. Yes, it can. <laughs> very, very nice to go there, um, at least in my mind. I do have a follow-up question actually related to the historical mystery aspect of the book because we actually read snippets of Sam's historical mysteries as uh, interstitial chapters. Um, and in many ways, those mysteries that she's writing and that we get to read as well rhyme with the core mystery. How do you balance writing those two distinct stories? So when I first got the idea for the series... My initial um, plan was that the, it would be only, the mystery would be only the one she's writing. And you might see her life, but there wasn't going to be a murder in it because I was concerned that readers would not find it believable that, you know, it would be a murder she wrote, Jessica Fletcher, um, Cabot Cove, every you know, a population of three thousand people, and you know, twenty yeah, murder capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might be stretching the imagination a bit, but um, then I worried when I first started that it would be um, not enough for true mystery lovers to only read about uh, murder as opposed to kind of living it through the protagonist. So then I thought, oh, how cool. I'll just do two and one. And it seemed like a really good idea at the time. But then the reality of writing two mysteries in every book kind of hit me. And I was like, what was I thinking? But <laughs> I, I want, you know, for the writing to be an escape for Sam and for her to be able to sort through what she's dealing with in her um, real life by writing. And so often what you're going to see is that it, it may not be the exact same story, but what she writes helps her to solve the mysteries that she's dealing with in real life. Yeah. I, I really love that concept of her processing the mystery she's solving in her life through her own writing, because as a reader, it, it allowed me to kind of try to find the clues in like the subconscious ways in which there were things in the mystery she was writing that mirrored the one that she was living. It does actually, in a large extent, allow the reader to play fair because there's plenty of contextual clues provided too. 
through the mystery writing that Sam doesn't necessarily know consciously yet, but she's kind of putting into her mystery writing um, subconsciously. Well, that was my intention. So I'm glad to hear that it's working. <laughs> it is definitely. <laughs> and the snippets were very cozy. So that was nice as well. I love the British historic cozies. That's one of my favorite, you know, genres and subgenres to, to read our British historic cozies. So you mentioned in your similarities between you and Samantha Washington, and I, I had not known that North Harbor was an actual place. And I'm curious because in terms of setting, you described North Harbor as economically depressed, unlike the quaint South Harbor area, which has cobblestone streets and lighthouses, which is more of a stereotypical setting for a cozy mystery. And I found that to be refreshing to have that kind of setting. So why do you think it's important to push the boundaries of what a cozy mystery typically is? You know, I think that sometimes a cozy can be very predictable. You know, you know that you're not, there are just certain rules that you have around a cozy mystery. You can't have a lot of graphic, you know, violence, no sex, no bad language. And generally speaking, you're going to have a resolution at the end. And so not wanting cozies to be too predictable, you find ways to try and keep it interesting and push the boundaries. So no, you can't have bad language and you're not going to have a explicit sex scene in the cozy mystery. But what you can do is try different locations and maybe push the boundaries of those locations a little bit or push the boundaries of what your protagonist does. Um, what kind of profession they they are. Everybody doesn't own a bake shop. Everybody doesn't <laughs> cook. And you're seeing more of the cozy mysteries now that where you have a, a protagonist that is a horrible cook or doesn't cook at all or someone who is, you know, maybe younger or older or, you know, doing some kind of a slightly different profession. So I think that authors are looking for ways to make, to keep them interesting, to keep them relevant mm. to our current society without try, trying to change the genre too much. I think a cozy mystery reader, they have certain expectations of what they want in their book. So you, you want to keep that but then you also want to bring in new readers as well. Yeah, and I could tell that, you know, North Harbor was very cozy, but just not in, as you mentioned, that stereotypical fashion where people are skipping down the cobblestone streets, holding hands, <laughs> birds are flying everywhere, what have you. Now there's anything wrong with that. Of course, nothing wrong with that, but <laughs> it was just a nice change of pace. And even when you describe the restaurants, you know, they're going to, I think there's one restaurant that the gang went to and had old 70s decor, I believe. I was like a fish um, oh, seafood, yeah. seafood restaurant. And so, yeah, I, yeah that's, that's a description I had never really seen in other cozies I've read. And like Matt said, nothing wrong with the, uh, the um, you know, alternative to that. But it's just a, a breath of fresh. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, an another way that your book kind of subverts expectations is Nana Jo and her friends. So Sam is accompanied on her adventures by um, this cast of characters from the Shady Acres Retirement Village, and they are not stereotypical retirees. <laughs> they, they have hooker heels. <laughs> That's right. They have, a, they have hooker heels. They have a ton of energy and spunk. And I just have to know what inspired these characters. So my first real job um, after 
getting out of college was I worked for an organization called an area agency on aging and they're all over the United States and they provide services for um, senior citizens. And so I worked in Berrien County, which um, is Southwest Michigan. And I met a lot of really cool, exciting senior citizens. Now I had just got gotten out of college. So I was my early twenties and my secretary was 80. I had a data clerk who was about 65. So she was a young one. And I met a lot of really interesting seniors. The office manager taught me how to play the numbers and Um, we used to go to the liquor store behind the building and buy um, scratch-off tickets. And I had never done that before. And we had a a receptionist named Gertie, and she was a heavy smoker. She reminded me of Irma. And she had a raspy voice. (laughs) Thank you for calling Mary Agency. (laughs) And so, you know, I just, it was so exciting. One of them taught me how to knit. And, but I met a lot of really interesting, exciting, vibrant senior citizens. And I, part of my job, I was a planner and I would go around to um, agencies that we funded to make sure they were in compliance with state regulations. And one of those were senior centers where we would provide kind of meals on wheels and, and other services. And I would sit down and I would have lunch with these seniors and I would hear their stories and I would talk to them and They were just really interesting people who I wanted to capture and I wanted to introduce others to because they had such interesting stories. And sometimes they told me stories about, you know, one of my biggest um, issues when I would go to a senior center was they were not supposed to take the food. You know, you can't take it home because it's not safe right? It has to be a certain temperature. And um, they would always want to wrap it up and take it with them. And, you know, (laughs) I'm like, you can't put that in your purse and take it with you. You know, I would have to write you up for that. That's not right. (laughs) And they would tell me stories about, well, if you live through the the war, you've been through the depression, you don't throw anything away. And so, you know, I just heard so many interesting stories. And I met people with character. And I wanted my, you know, supporting cast, you know, with Samantha to be representative of that. So people who still, they want to go to the casino, they want to go dancing, they want to have a good time and have a party. That was, that was my legacy of, of my time working at the area agency and all those wonderful people that I met there. Yeah, they're a real joy to read. I just really love spending time with those characters. And it did remind me, too, of when my grandma was living in an assisted living facility. And it was just sort of like a big dorm atmosphere where it was like high school politics all over again, too. There was so much <laughs> drama between who did what and, and yada, 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 and then who was sleeping with whom. So this is actually much more true to life, I feel, than the more kind of like staid representation of seniors. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my mom has a roll of decks of stories. <laughs> it's very, very similar to that. So it was nice to to see all these spunky characters come to life in your book. And that's one of the coziest aspects for me was just hearing about the, the lives of these women in this senior community. So speaking of spunkiness, 
the dialogue between Frank and Sam is quite spicy. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm curious how readers responded to this charge banter since like I, similar to the, to the setting, you don't really see this kind of dialogue in, in cozies. You're talking about between Frank Patterson, her boyfriend. Yes. I think that this is another way that I can maybe stretch the boundaries a little bit. Again, you can't have a explicit sex scene. You can't have any sex scenes in a cozy mystery, but you can imply things. You can have a little flirting. You can maybe push the envelope a little bit because primarily the readers of Cozy Mysteries are older. And, you know, reality would be that there probably is some flirting that takes things to another level. You just can't describe it in a Cozy (laughs) Mystery. So I think maybe trying to imply things um, (laughs) helps to keep it real. You do kind of hunger as a cozy mystery reader for something a little spicier in the romance department sometimes. So that was refreshing. Thank you. (laughs) It's always fascinating to hear how mystery writers craft the actual mystery and and do that plotting. The mystery in your novel is especially fascinating because... The core mystery takes place in a very small environment, a bus. What were some of the advantages and challenges to plotting the murder in a confined space? I think one of the things about using the um, mystery that takes place on a bus for me is that it allows me to push myself and to explore some of the tropes that um, go along with mysteries. And one of those being the closed room or closed door mystery. And I wanted to have that environment where you have a very limited set of suspects and especially on on a bus. So to me, that just, I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting and exciting to do. The problem with me is that I don't do a lot of plotting ahead of time. I get a good idea and I think, oh, I'm going to go with that. And I just start writing. And I often find that I write myself into a corner and then I've kind of got to step back a little bit and figure out how am I going to get out of this situation. So to me, it keeps it interesting for me because I don't necessarily know what's going to happen. And I'm often surprised by the way that my plots end up in the direction they take. But I think it was just something to keep me interested and to keep me as as a writer as intrigued as I hope I the readers are. I mean, it gave me uh, Agatha Christie vibes <laughs> for Murder <laughs> on the Orient Express. I love Agatha Christie. She's my favorite. It's nice sometimes as a reader to have like a limited list of suspects and then have those be a little bit deeper in terms of like possible motivations and to really kind of, you, you kind of ping back and forth, like, who could it be? Because so many, even though it's a small list, they're all very viable. Even as a reader, sometimes it's just frustrating when you're reading a mystery, and then w- when it's not in, a, in kind of a, a closed space like that, there's someone who comes out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, it's this person <laughs> that we've never heard of or seen before. And it's like, great. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. There's always also a problem when you have a closed room or a, a closed setting, Because 
you know, it has to generally be somebody that you like. Mm-hmm. And that can be a struggle as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that the bus setting was also very, very interesting. So I liked, as Matt noted, how you had a collection of people and you it wasn't just out of left field. I was going through each character thinking, okay, what's the likelihood that they were involved? And that was, that was a fun exercise for me, at least. So switching gears completely, I read an interview <laughs> with you <laughs> where you said that you used to have um, your poodles compete in canine performance events. And I'm curious, is it more difficult to train dogs for competition or ride a cozy? Uh, <laughs> I think riding a cozy is is more probably more challenging. Um, yeah, I used to compete with my dogs. Um, the, the dogs that are on the covers of the Mystery Bookshop series, those are my dogs. Coco and Cash were uh, my dogs' names. And I changed them to protect the guilty, I guess. Um, <laughs> so um, Coco would be Snickers. And she's the one that's always the brains of the operation getting into trouble and um, thinking up, uh, she's got a lot of spunk. And my other dog, Cash, uh, Oreo is based on him. So those were my dogs. And I used to compete with them. And, and Coco was a challenge. She had a lot of attitude. She was um, definitely spunky. And so, you know, it's interesting because when I first started competing with her, especially in canine agility, and that's the obstacle course, if you've ever seen that on television, Coco loved it. And she would run and she especially loved taking tunnels and going (laughs) off course and getting us disqualified. And (laughs) she was just wild and crazy. And I belonged to a dog club. Everybody, whenever any members of the dog club would compete, everybody would come up to the edge of the fence and they'd watch and they'd encourage you and say nice things after it was over. And when we first started competing, the nicest thing anybody could say was, well, one day when you get control of that dog, she's actually going to be really good. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it so, sounds pretty ruthless, like uh, <laughs> dogs and tiaras or something. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we she was just wild but you know as we continued and and she got you know better and I got better then you know closer to the end it was just a thing of beauty to watch her compete. Now my other dog Cash, he was not so into um going off on his own. So he was a lot easier and he would just jump right beside me and I'd run up to a jump and say over and he'd just jump it. So it wasn't the same challenge as dealing with a dog who has her own mind. So I would say I can, I have a lot more control over what happens in the cozy (laughs) than I did over what happened on the course when we were competing. Well, your love for animals shines through in this, in this book. And that was a nice facet of it and made it even more cozy. Well, thank you. I do love my poodles. So what's next for Sam? When can we expect the the latest entry in the Mystery Bookshop Mystery Series? The next thing for Sam is that she and Nana Joe are and the girls are all actually going to take a trip to England. Oh, perfect. That's perfect for her 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 writing. She can do some research. Yes, she's going to get a chance to um take a mystery lovers tour. 
And um, of course, there's going to be some hijinks and a murder to solve while she's across the pond. And we get a chance to see how things differ with solving a mystery in um, England as they did from the United States. Ooh, I and can't that book, that. that book, A Tourist Guide to Murder, is coming out in 2021. Well, I'll have to be patient. <laughs> <laughs> but Bookmark for Murder just came out in November, so that's still a fresh one. And you also write the Dog Club Mysteries and R.J. Franklin Mystery Series. Are, are any new entries in those series coming out soon? Yeah, actually, I have a R.J. Franklin um, mystery, book number three, Steal Away, will be coming out um, probably around the third quarter, sometime in August, September timeframe. Um, I think the whole coronavirus thing is really playing a little bit with, you know, book um, release dates. I know. I keep wondering, too, like if we see its impact in the actual writing, like are, are we going to get a, a bunch of quarantined murder <laughs> people murdering their spouses, maybe? <laughs> I don't know, but I can think of a whole lot of people that, you know, I'd probably want to murder, you know, having been <laughs> uh, locked up for a couple months now. I feel you. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I in the uh, Dog Club series, there's a new book coming out um, later this year in November, um, I believe, no, August, actually. Paw and Order is the fourth book in the Dog Club series, and that will be out in August. I love the title. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, I really suck bad at titles, and so... Sometimes when I go online, I'll ask readers for some suggestions. And I think Paw and Order was a recommendation from one of my readers. So I'm grateful that they are better at it than I am. <laughs> it's definitely a gem. I love it. <laughs> Where can people find you online to keep up with your writing? Uh, vmburns.com is probably the best place. I am also on Twitter, vmburns. I think it's vmburns books. And um, I have a Facebook page for VM Burns, and I'm not as good on Instagram, but I have an account. <laughs> when I remember, <laughs> I'll post a picture. <laughs> um, but the best place to find out what's going on is just to go to my vmburns.com page. Follow Valerie online and pick up a copy of Bookmark for Murder. It is a wonderful quarantine companion. And thank you so much, Valerie, for like just a really lovely, cozy distraction during this very uncozy time. <laughs> thank you so much. No, thank you, guys. This has been fun. I appreciate it. It's nice to have somebody to talk to. So <laughs> yeah. <you>. Same. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. So now it's just us two bozos <laughs> left on the call. Bozing around. Yeah. <laughs> Bozing around. So Jillian, I feel like I've been a slacker in the candle department. It really is not for lack of trying. I ordered candles, but as as we all know, like shipping right now is not reliable. So we're still waiting for the candles that I ordered. But thankfully, Jillian is um, on the case and she has a candle for us to talk about today. Yep, I'm on the on the candle case. Uh, <laughs> so I recently ordered a candle from this company called Modern City in Maine. And it was started by this woman who 
is a survivor of domestic violence and she donates 10% of the proceeds to domestic violence charities. So I, that's why I've, I've mentioned last uh, episode how I was looking for candle companies that support certain charities. Last time it was um, Dog Rescue. So I ordered their Louisiana oak moss scent and it is a woodsy base of musk, cedar, and oak. And it softens with hints of fresh herbs and top notes of citrus. And just to warn you, there's a word coming that I'm not really sure to be sure about. Uh, infused with natural sage, lavender. That's how and, I would say it. I've never okay. heard of that. Yeah. And orange essential oils. I love this company's tagline, warmth of a memory and strength of a story. And each candle has a little aside about what memory the scent evokes for the owner, which I love. So this candle has a little bit of a, I would describe it as a men's cologne kind of scent. Mm-hmm. Um, not to gender scent, but um, so yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. I had a good long burn, a beautiful glass jar, very simple design, but sometimes less is more. And yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. They have so many different scents and I chose Louisiana Oak Moss just because I love New Orleans and I really enjoyed the description, which she wrote, Spanish moss hanging from oak trees is such an iconic Southern image. The scent reminds me of evening walks among the trees when the warmth of the day begins to break and a subtle breeze provides a momentary and welcomed relief. And that really drew me into the candle. So it has a, I would say definitely the cedar and the musk come through the strongest, but it's still a light scent for sure. For some reason, hearing you describe it makes my mouth water, and I don't want to eat Spanish moss or um, oak trees, but it just sounds... Well, the smell just is coming through with the language, and <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if the actual smell would live up to the, the scent memory I have right now, but, I mean, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it, it didn't necessarily have the scent that I was expecting it to, but it, it was it was still nice. It had that that evening walk kind of romantic semi this because of men's cologne. <laughs> evening of romance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's try to see these other other scents. They're so lovely. There's some called one called Be Still, uh Tobacco Barn, Fireside Whiskey, Sundays in the South, Denim Overalls, which I'm curious about. Orange You Glad, Rain Run, Lavender Fields, Second Date. So there are all these really neat uh, scents that are connected to her own personal memories, which is super cool. And it goes to help domestic violence charities. So it's a win. That's great. So how many wicks would you give it? I would give it a full wick. And I know that you can't give it a wick because you're not smelling it. So I'll give it Someone please invent smell-o-vision. It would really solve our issue here with the same space. (laughs) We need a... Zoom vision. Was it be Zoom smell or something like that? <laughs> Look, we're trying. Okay, we're <laughs> we're doing we're doing our best. We're trying to continue with the candle reviews. Thank you, Julian, for being prepared. It's very very appreciated. Oh, and a fast shipping. I will say that. Well, somebody's doing it. Not not the one company that um, for their own protection. Right now, I'm not going to mention it, but I probably will when we talk about them. Well, we've already had a run-in with them before. <laughs> we didn't review them quite kindly, but uh, I'm excited to try this that upcoming candle. Yeah, me too. So before we wrap up, we have some shout-outs. Thanks to Kate Littleton for leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher. 
We appreciate reviews in any platform. So whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, if you want to leave it, we enjoy them. Yeah, if if I may risk being a little pathetic, uh, <laughs> we got we've gotten so close to 100 reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever they're making us call it now. So we're at 94. We just need six more people to tippity type. Even I don't even think you need to write anything. You can. If you write it, we'll read it on the show, which is a plus. But even if you don't, it still counts. So if you have some time, please hop on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. We really do appreciate it and get us to 100. And you know what? If we do get to 100, Jillian's like bracing herself from about yeah, to say. Yeah, I know. But- I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proposing that we'll do a special bonus episode of Jillian and I discussing the movie Cats. Are you down, Jillian? Anything for the cozies. Anything for that five-star review. So if you want to hear Jillian and I do a deep dive on cats for a bonus episode, not part of a regular release schedule, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. I'm going to give you a little time limit on that too, though. It's got to be done by the end of April. Okay. So that's that's your, your cozy challenge to finish out the cozy challenge. And speaking of cozy challenges, we've had a great group of listeners who've been participating in our month of coziness for April or cozy challenge. Katie Jungman, C. Carter Wrights, and Zeta Music are participating about every day. And I know there's some other people in there, Esme Addison. Uh, it's been really nice to have you guys play along with us and actually having things to share on our Instagram stories. Yes, thank and you. We share any, everyone who does the cozy challenge. So even if you're you know, only participating for one day, we'll share it no matter what. Yeah, don't don't feel like you have to like go back and do all of them. Just do what you can. It's totally fine. It, we and it, it is it always brings a smile to my face to see what people are adding. So keep it up. Yeah, for example, we had a um, look at the stars, and that's a very difficult one, especially when we live in the, the our city is choked with right. <laughs> so I got creative. So you can always get creative with the challenges too. It doesn't have to be so strict. And uh, on our last note, I want to apologize to our listener Jonathan, not Personick. Our other lovely listener named Jonathan, we sent him a Valentine in February, and I just got it returned back to us. Uh, it was a big chunk. It looked like it was eaten out of it. <laughs> I'm not sure it happened. The postal service apologized. Let's those postal workers get hungry. They, they don't have, it, it's a, a long shift, no breaks. Sometimes you just got to eat the Valentines. Yeah. So I, once again, Jonathan, thank you for being so kind and patient with us. We're going to send Jonathan a new Valentine. But if you, if we ever go, send you something and you don't receive it, uh, just give us a heads up as I, I was, I was devastated when I got it back. Just the thought of someone waiting for their Valentine just really, <laughs> really broke me. Uh, <laughs> so, I've seen that Ralph gif from the Simpsons where he's like holding his heart as it breaks. <laughs> yeah. And then I, as I mentioned with our Canadian listeners, I was afraid they're thinking a thing for scammers. Cause it's, so I, I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to the mail, apparently. So thanks for everyone who's participating in the challenge, who is donating to our Patreon and who is hanging in there with us through these. Absolutely. Yeah. So like Julian said, our Patreon's up there. We do love uh, people who contribute to our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash all things cozy. Yeah. Go ahead. Follow us online. We're on Instagram at all things cozy podcast. We're on Facebook at all things cozy podcast, you know, engage in that cozy challenge. We'd love to see your posts and hang in everybody. We're going to, you know, stay cozy together. Yep. Stay cozy. Bye.